We are in Acts chapter 4 this morning, and so glad that you were able to join us for worship. As we exalt Jesus, we talk about his name, and we read his word together. So this is Acts chapter 4, and we'll be reading verses 8 through 20. Starting in verse 8, this is the word of God. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, and by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had indeed been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. And when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we say to these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and they charged them not to speak or to teach at all, In the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Amen. Praise God for the reading and the hearing of his word. Let's pray together. Father, we come and we thank you for the singing that we get to do. It's awesome when your church gathers to sing truth. It is so good. It's good for our soul. It stirs our minds and our hearts. And God, to read the word, even to read the word of God and to hear the name of Jesus is encouraging to us. Lord, you are divinely speaking through the scripture. And we thank you. We ask that you would transform our hearts toward the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would be with John as he preaches the word to us this morning. God, we're excited to hear the truth that you've laid on his heart. So, Lord, give us open minds and hearts and ears. God, as we get ready to hear the scriptures, we pray, we intercede, knowing that the gospel is going out all over this city. We praise you for that. God, we pray for all the preachers all over the city that are preaching the gospel, Lord, that they would be effective and powerful in their witness for Jesus. Lord, that all of Des Moines would come to know Christ. That's our prayer. We think of our state and our region. And Lord, we think more nationally and globally, oh God, would you do great things all over this world. May the power and the name of Jesus get to many, many hearts today. This is the Lord's day. We're thankful for it. And God, our hearts are lifted up in prayer and intercession for our brothers and our sisters in Sudan. God, that 
country who is right now war-torn. And there are embassy evacuations that have been happening all week. It is an incredibly violent situation. God, we pray that the name of Jesus would get to Sudan, both to the north and to the south. Lord, North Sudan, we think of Dalia Ali, who is at our 830 service. And Lord, she's from North Sudan. Think of Nyla Kak, who's here with us this morning. South Sudan. God, we're begging you that the name of Christ would be upon the lips of every Christian. Lord, as the, as the northern Muslims have been very violent and very aggressive, Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who name the name of Jesus, that they would stand and preach and witness boldly in your name. And Lord, we pray for these two generals who are wreaking physical violence and havoc all over the country. We pray that they would come to know Christ as their Savior and that these wild decisions would end so that country can have peace. So God, we pray for every nation represented in our our church, all 13 countries. We're so thankful. God, would you continue to grow our church to have a global vision of what you're doing? And Jesus, may we love our brothers and sisters and may we hear from your word this morning. We all have areas that we need you to speak to us about. So God, give us humble and open hearts. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning and welcome. It's my privilege to introduce our speaker to you this morning. This is John Jackson. John and Penny have joined our Living Waters church family about a year ago. Uh, a little over a year, they've been members here at church, and John and Penny have been real blessings. If you have not had the privilege yet of meeting John, uh, I would encourage you to meet him after the service this morning and encourage him and let him encourage you in the Lord. Um, so they've been around Living Waters for a while. He is the executive director of an organization called Compass 2819, which mobilizes short-term missions trips, both domestically and globally. So this is a wonderful man of God, and his resume is really long, so I'll hit, try to hit the highlights. He has been a missionary to South Africa, one of my favorite countries in the world. Amen? We love South Africa. He was a missionary there for many, many years. He was a missions director to the continent of Africa for a, a good period of time as well, and now he, in his retirement years, runs a a mission organization, right? So we praise God for that. And so John and Penny have been a real blessing to us. He's also working currently with FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, um, at Simpson College in Indianola. And so John and Penny's house is right across the street from Simpson College. So those poor Simpson students, amen? John just has to walk across the street, and he's like, wrestling team, football team, all of you need to come and try Penny's food and hear about Jesus, amen? So that's good. Um, I love John. I'm so thankful for him. My uh, first meeting of him or first recollection of meeting him was in the early 2000s. I was a student at Bible College, and John came in. He was our missions chair for the college, so he was directing all of the missions uh, program at that time. And so it was during that time I got to see him. He's also a sports coach for the, uh, for the college's soccer team. And so he's just a really great guy. And John impacted my life in a great way by 
encouraging me towards church planting. He, he, for some reason, he had all these other students he could have picked from, but he probably picked the most troubled kid. Um, and he gave, he gave me a church planting scholarship, and I, I will never forget that because that really gave me confidence and it gave me some encouragement that, hey, maybe I can do missions and maybe God is calling me to this thing, and John was a big part of that. So you're going to enjoy him. I'm really excited for the church to hear him bring the word of God. So let's welcome warmly John Jackson as he preaches the word. Thanks, man. You are so good to me. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Well, most of you knew I was preaching and you still came. What's wrong with you? Gee whiz. <laughs> Great. Good to see you. Very fond memories of my time with Reuben. And if you got an hour, I'll tell you some stories about Reuben, but not now. And great times with Josh and uh, those classes during that time. What, what a blessing, what a blessing. And we appreciate what, what God is doing there now. And uh, hey, Pastor Josh, church planner, along with a handful of you folks that started some 13 years ago in the basement. And we're really, really glad to be part of our, our God's doing something here. God's really alive here uh, at LWF. Boy, we are so glad to be part of this. Thank you for being kind and gentle with us the last year or so. We appreciate it. If uh, <clears throat> I have six, seven grandkids uh, that are here this morning. Um, and if we break out in a game of tag or something like that during the service, just join us or be part of it, okay? We'll have some fun that way, so... Thank you. I'm also glad that my fishing buddy is here, Paul Thurman. <clears throat> yeah, uh, this guy is fantastic. <clears throat> Some of you know that he's an avid fisherman, and I've got uh, Craig, who also loves fishing, and some others, but uh, some of you others haven't invited me fishing anywhere yet, so get on the ball, would you? And, and let's do lunch or something and go fishing together. Appreciate it. <clears throat> Uh, we, we're all fishermen, fishers of men and women, aren't we, and children? So that's why the outfit this morning. But what a joy to go out with Paul. Um, he's, he's kind with me, and he's very sweet, um, and, and he catches fish like mad uh, and makes me mad because, <laughs> because I'm not catching. Now, I, my dad started with me at five years old as a, as a fisherman, so we have fished. Uh, all the time, and my kids have fished, and, and we're just like a fishing family. And I thought I knew something about fishing, but I don't when I'm with Paul. This guy, the other day we went out about a week ago, and uh, these farm ponds, and he's catching bass like mad, like every other cast, for four hours. I caught one bass. He's got a stringer full <coughs> and, and all kinds of fish, and I'm standing there thinking, all right, Lord, he must have had his devotions this morning <laughs> because this guy is draining the, the pond of fish and I'm not catching anything. So spiritually, it's a tough chore for me to go fishing with Paul. I'm not sure if I'm even saved when I go with Paul. I'm not catching anything. So as we're fishing about 40 feet away, I'm, I'm looking at him. So he's holding his, his pole like this. And he's got his hand like this. And I'm and then he, oh, he's, okay, he's standing like this. So, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll stand like that. And, and when he casts, he has his 
thumb out his what is this called? A tongue out the right side of his mouth. So I start doing that, you know. I and I'm trying to do everything. I I do this just like he does and everything. And pretty soon he says, <laughs> after three or four hours, he says, John, you're not catching anything. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so so he says, Have you tried this lure? I don't know. What's the name of it? I, I don't know the name of my lures. I just use them. The fish are supposed to be biting these lures. So he's using these lures that I don't, and he's finally giving me names for these lures. So I go to Bass Pro, and I'm, <clears throat> okay, well, uh, Fisherman Paul told me to buy this lure. Do you have any of these lures? So you've got to know the name of the lures. You, you're with me? If you're going to catch fish, you've got you to know the name of the lures. <clears throat> and Paul does. And uh, looking forward to fishing with him again. So if you don't catch fish, it's because you're using the long wrong lure. So <laughs> I come home uh, after fishing with Paul and, and Penny. I walk through the door and Penn says, uh, okay, what's it going to be this time? They don't like your, your worms. You don't like, they don't like your lures. Uh, let me guess, it was too cold for the fish uh, or it was too warm. So <laughs> I can always count on Penn to ask me, where's the fish? <laughs> you spend all this money for stuff. And no fish. <laughs> What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. This is Juliet's balcony address to uh, Romeo Montague about love and his last name and blah, blah, blah. And he and she says, or the, the situation is, hence... A convention with no meaning behind it. A name with no meaning behind it. However, not so with Jesus' name. you got to know the name of the lure if you're going to fish for the fish that Paul, Paul gets. you you, you, you got to realize that our, our names are just, I, they just identify us. By the way, Brandon, um, I love this guy. Uh, what, a, what a worship leader. He is, and, and worship team, thank you. And he's organized and planned the songs. Did you catch that last one? I, I don't mind sitting down and for the next 30 minutes singing that last song over and over because that's my message. It's all about the name and the power of Jesus. And uh, once again, Pastor Josh, what a, what a privilege and honor to stand behind this pulpit where you guys are. Every Sunday, what a, what a joy. There is no greater name than Jesus. Do you remember reading uh, about the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was betrayed by Judas? And a couple of Sundays ago, one of our preachers said there could be up to 600 men that followed uh, the, the, Rom the, Roman, uh, followed the Roman soldiers that followed the temple priest uh, guards and officers at that day. And do you remember what he said to them when he said, who, who, are, you, who are you here for? And they said, we're blah, 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 blah. And he said, I am he. What did those soldiers, what happened to those soldiers when he said that? Do you remember? They fell back. They fell back to, on the ground. 
We're not sure exactly why, but it might have something to do with the deity name I am. I am he. And just saying that before his crucifixion, they fell back. The word Jesus is found 1,176 times in the New Testament. I can't even count that high. I'm sure one of my grandkids could, who helps us with IT stuff all the time at home. Opa, just turn the machine on. That helps. In the Old Testament, there is not a word Jesus. Okay, you probably knew that. The name of the Christ who is to come in the New Testament. Even if the name Jesus were prophesied in the Old Testament, we would not be would not be convinced that a man is that man is the Christ or the Anointed One. Just because his name is Jesus, the name Jesus was common among the Jews in that day, as Jesus is today for us or others in using the word Jesus. There is no power behind that J-E-S-U-S, except it was given to him by the Father. There are many Jesuses running around with that name, but they have no power like this Jesus. You follow me? You with me? While spending time as the director of Africa for the mission that Josh, Pastor Josh was mentioning couple minutes ago, I was their director and I was in Mali for the week-long conference that they have and I was their speaker and so in between uh, speaking and the meals that we had, they wanted, they wanted this friend, Mohammed, that was part of their group and was going to eat with us, but he wasn't there at the time. So they said to me, John, and I knew the man, would you go down to the market and see if Mohammed is down there? So I went down, <clears throat> and I, I couldn't see him anywhere. So getting a little bit frustrated knowing that I had to get back, I just, I just yelled into the market there in Mali, Mohammed! Yeah, about 100 guys turned around and said, yes. <laughs> if I yelled, John, nothing would happen at all. But yeah, Mohammed. So we identify with, with our names. But there's no name like Jesus. There's no name. All right, let's get into the outline. That was only an intro. Number one, a thriving church, which is our series, proclaims Jesus' public crucifixion and resurrection. A thriving church, you and I, will proclaim that Jesus' public, or proclaim Jesus' public crucifixion and resurrection. Now, I, I stole, don't tell Pastor Josh this, but I stole some more scripture. I didn't think uh, the verses that he gave me was enough, so I stole some more. So I went to verses 1 through 4 of Acts, which he didn't read, wasn't supposed to this morning, but that's our first point. And it sort of lays the welcome mat for the, for the rest of our, our message this morning. So let me read Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. That's Peter and, and John, who just healed, by the name of Jesus, a lame man. Do you remember that? So, uh, greatly annoyed, this, this group of Sanhedrin, 
greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day. So Peter just finished his second sermon. They interrupted his second sermon. And now they're keeping him overnight, Peter and John. They had authority to do that. And, and we read the rest of our message here in chapter 8, verse 4. Chapter 4, verse 8 is all about his third sermon that he speaks then that, new, that morning. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men numbered about 5,000. Now, Pastor Rob did a good job last week in explaining that that 5,000 that we read about here may not be the total number. It was the total men, but there were probably women and possibly children too that were saved at that very time. The Sanhedrin council, whom we were talking about here, are, are filled with Pharisees, scribes, elders, and Sadducees. So they, they put a number on it, and the limit was 71. So the Sanhedrin, when you read Sanhedrin, is always 71. It can be 23, but it's usually 71. And they were full of Pharisees and scribes and people of the law. <clears throat> and the Sadducees were part of it. Now you've heard of this, haven't you? The Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. So they're sad, you see. Oh, boy. I thought it was bad in the 830 service. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let's start over. Okay. But Peter and John preached that, they, that Jesus did die and rose again. The Sadducees couldn't stand that. The Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, now they believe that. But, but the Sadducees couldn't, couldn't believe that. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 3, here we go. Now I remind you, Paul says, brothers of the gospel, I preach to you which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you. This is the Apostle Paul, the church at Corinth. Unless you believed in vain, unless the seeds fell on uh, clay and rocky soil, for I delivered to you as one of the first importance what I also received. Here we go. Here's the gospel. If you can't remember anything, remember this. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And all God's people said, amen. Boy, that's wonderful. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 3. That's the gospel. The Sanhedrin knew that Jesus was publicly <coughs> excuse me, crucified and then laid to rest in a tomb with a very heavy stone that was rolled in front of it, deterring grave robbers. Oh, they didn't want that to happen. They were greatly annoyed. However, since the resurrection, and up to this moment in time, over 8,000 people were saved. That's wonderful. 8,000 people <coughs> were saved. And I can't remember, Pastor Joshua, was you or somebody here at church that said this. I've got to just, I just have to say it. There will be a whole bunch of people in heaven that welcomed, there were a whole bunch of people in heaven that welcomed the Apostle Paul when he entered heaven. And the people that are welcoming him, welcome him is, are those people that he had slaughtered. 
You said something probably that, that good. Didn't you say something like that? Can you imagine that? The people that the Apostle Paul saw slaughtered will be at the front gates of heaven saying, welcome, Paul, welcome. Boy, that's forgiveness. When you preach and teach the crucifixion and resurrection by the authority of the name of Jesus, things are going to change. In Acts chapter 4, 2 through 18, seven times, seven times the name Jesus is mentioned, or this Jesus, or in the name of Jesus, seven times in just those short verses. However, you will know this too, that Satan will always be active where the name of Jesus is preached. We mentioned that I was the director of, of uh, Africa continent uh, after returning to the States from South Africa. Uh, and so I enjoyed going over three to five times a year, spending a month or so with my missionaries in Africa and left Penny to disciple and raise up all the kids. And while, uh, while, uh, while I was there, I learned that, that Dave Marshall, who's now in heaven, was the very first missionary in Mali, West Africa, years and years ago. And uh, Elaine and Dave spent 28 years in Mali, a very hardship, 99% Muslim Islam country. It took five years of preaching and relationship building and compassion from the marshals to see their first convert after five years. I would have been out of there in a month probably. Five years it took to see their first convert. And after that, Molly exploded with evangelical born-again churches. Pastors who were former Muslim men and men. Can you imagine that? Five years before the first comet, and then when the first comet came, it just was like a flood that opened up. Satan is real and alive on planet Earth. And praise God that Jesus is coming back again. And we're, we're, we're escaping this sinful world. We're out of here. J.J.'s paraphrase, John's paraphrase, John 17, 20, Jesus prayed this, that others in the future, he's talking to his disciples, that others, you and I, in the future may believe in my name or be saved. When Christians witness you and I, like the apostles have witnessed, he said. We're saved here today uh, and sitting, if you are, because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago and because somebody told us about Christ and how much he loved us and loves us. So I, I end this point saying to you, are you proclaiming Christ's death and resurrection to people today? You know, we never grow without decisions. We never grow without decisions. And even today, even this morning, believer, maybe you and I need to say and decide, I'm going to proclaim to the people, my neighbors, my workmates, my schoolmates, my, my, my family. And you know how to do that. You know how to do that about Jesus' death and resurrection. I hope you are. Number two, a thriving church, Living Waters, 
fellowship. A thriving church proclaims Jesus' powerful compassion and healing. In verses 8 through 10. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and the elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, a miracle under the name of Christ, he was healed. By what means this man was healed? Let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Oh, I caught that when Pastor Josh read that passage. You crucified. Whom God raised from the dead. By him this man is standing before you well. It's now the second day that the Sanhedrin are questioning Peter and John. Peter begins his third sermon, as I've just mentioned, to the same audience and maybe some others in this passage. Notice that the writer Luke mentions that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. While you're reading in your your Bible, personal worship time, and your Bible's personal study of Christ, you need to stop every once in a while and park on words, three or four words, or a word that you don't know about it, and maybe look into it a little more. And I, I love this phrase, and Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. What in the world does that mean? A couple of Sundays ago, we had the privilege uh, and honor and fun of seeing people baptized in water. When we are born again, the the second you're born again, you take Christ as your Savior, we are baptized spiritually into the body of Christ. We're all in the body of Christ, if you know Christ this morning. We've been baptized in that that baptism by water really has nothing to do with that, although we're rejoicing in the fact that we are born again, and so it's it's a public testimony. You're only baptized into the body of Christ once, That's called eternal security, by the way. We're baptized into the body of Christ at salvation. The Bible talks over and over, and in fact, Paul talks about it in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, be filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Okay, groovy. So we are baptized into the body once, as we are saved only once, but we are and can be spirit-controlled all the time, I hope, but filled multiple times. In other words, controlled by the Holy Spirit. And when Pastor Josh and Pastor Andy and Pastor Rob and all of you other people and Brandon, that when you're up here giving truth out to us, you better be spirit-controlled. You better be filled with the Holy Spirit. It has nothing to do with rolling around on the floor and barking or trying to jump and hit the ceiling. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do, to, to do with being controlled by the Spirit of God who dwells within you. So we expect you and you and a Rob, where are you? We expect you guys to be Spirit-controlled when you're teaching up here. I prayed have to beg for it, but I prayed, Lord, I'm confessing sin here. I've done this for the last two weeks now with this message. Lord, I want to walk into that pulpit spirit control. It's, it's, it, what you're doing is getting out of the way and letting the Holy Spirit work in your life. It has nothing to do with you. Don't brag about it. Somebody, someday, maybe somebody will write about it like we're reading about Peter and John, but 
It's nothing with you. Just get out of the way. Yield and surrender and let the Holy Spirit work. So we, we assume that. Now, Brandon and, and your worship team, we assume that you are Holy Spirit controlled and filled when you're ministering to us as we should be all the time. After a recent sermon where Penny and I were, were, we were attending and we listened to this preacher, right after his, his message, I walked up to him and gave him a hug and I said to him, that was a spirit-controlled message and you're a spirit-filled man. I, I don't think I was telling him an untruth and I certainly wasn't patting him on the back spiritually and saying, wow, I mean, that was fantastic. Nobody could preach like that. I was just saying, it was, you got out of the way and the Holy Spirit preached that message through you. After the name, at the name of Jesus in his authority, the layman was healed both physically and spiritually. While we don't possess the miracle gifts that were given to the apostles before the scriptures were complete back then, we still see people healed, not only physically, but spiritually. Amen? Today. And so my question for this point is, are you compassionately, compassionately, lay it, let, let me say it again, love in action. Are you sharing Christ with people in your sphere of influence today? Are you? <laughs> I, I'm sure he's doing it all the time, but I'd love to see Reuben on Saturdays when we come for outreach. <laughs> this is a ball. Just, sorry, I got to keep. Okay, I'm not going to embarrass you, Reuben. <clears throat> he's a, let's go get him. You know, he's like a tiger in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a cage. I can't, I can't wait to get out. Can't wait to get out. He just encourages me. His humor is righteous. It's just a blessing, a blessing to be around him. Dr. Cam, some of you know Cam. Guys, glasses. Uh, seems to be John and Penny's personal surgeon, I guess, and he's with us. He was here this morning at the 8.30 service. He can't wait. He loves it. He loves knocking on doors. What are you, crazy, Cam? What are you? He loves it. Can't wait. First time he was out with us, he gets in the car. He said, John, we got to do this in every house in Indianola. Okay, slow down, Cam. Hey, hang on. Here we're doing it in, in South, right across the road here in South Des Moines. I bring that up because they're full of compassion. Pastor Josh, this guy, let me loose. He loves people. And you can be the same way. Number three, a thriving church proclaims Jesus' position as cornerstone and savior, verses 11 and 12. This is really the meat of the passage. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. He says it again, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation. Here's the famous verse you should have it memorized. And there is no, and there is salvation and no one else. For there is no other name un given under heaven. The King James says under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. Wow, that's it right there. That's, that's it. The cornerstone is that stone that is put up in the arch of a temple, and they knew what they were, Peter knew that these guys knew it, and the builders were the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, that 
that stone that fits up in the arch that keeps it all together so it won't fall. And for some of us, I worked for a surveyor, some of us know that, that the cornerstone is also the corner that's on the stone of a building. I remember getting saved in this church back in Binghamton, New York, and I went out and saw the cornerstone. Somebody said, let's go out and look at the cornerstone. The cornerstone seems to be that stone that doesn't really hold everything together there, but it is the most important stone in the building. And that's what Jesus, and when, when I was a surveyor, we would take our, our focus, our, our landmark, on cornerstones of different buildings as we worked in the cities. So it's, it's most important. And he said, you guys crucified the cornerstone. You stumbled over him. And by the way, because of their stumbling... You and I as Gentiles and Greeks, we can sit here today saying, I'm a born-again believer because the Jews rejected him, stumbled over him. In Psalm 118, verse 22, way back then, the writer says, the stone which we insert as Jesus today, he didn't, the stone that the builders, the Jews and the Sanhedrin, rejected. The stone that the builders rejected became the cornerstone or Savior and Messiah. And then, since Jesus is the chief cornerstone, there is no other name under heaven whereby a person can be saved. If you're here this morning and do not know this Jesus that I'm talking about and you're wondering what in the world am I saying, it's all because Jesus needs to be your Savior. And by the way, it's no accident that you're here today. If you don't know the Lord Jesus, you're here because of his ordination is ordaining your life to be here to listen to this message. Salvation doesn't come from anybody else. Not Mohammed, not Buddha, not Joseph Smith, not Pastor Josh, not Pastor Andy, not Pastor Rob. Nobody. It comes through Christ. Can we give out the message of Christ? Absolutely, like we're doing but it doesn't come through us. We're stinking, rotten sinners, like David calls us in the Psalms. We're nothing but maggots before we're saved. And then we're brothers, and we're servants, and we're lovers with Christ when we know him as personal Savior. You know it well, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but through me. It's interesting that the word healed in Acts chapter 4, verse 9, healed, the layman, from the same Greek word, is from the same Greek word or the original language that is, as is in 4.12. There is no other name whereby somebody must be saved. That word saved is the same word healed in a couple of verses prior to that. It's out of the same Greek root word. Cool, huh? My question is, do you realize that Jesus is the only means of you receiving forgiveness of sins for eternal life? I sure hope so. He loves you so much. Unbeliever this morning. And believer, he loves you, loves us so much. That he said, that he said, with my blood, I will forgive your sins. I will wash that. Fourthly, a thriving church proclaims that Jesus' presence changes and energizes people. 13 through 17. 
Now, when they saw the boldness or the Sanhedrin saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's cool. (laughs) The people come up to you and say, boy, I recognize you to be with Jesus. In fact, they should, they should ponder where in on the vine that the branch stops and the vine begins. I am the vine, you are the branches. Somehow, they, they shouldn't know where the two come. Oh, that's the branch. Yeah, okay, then comes Jesus. No, it should morph into being more like Jesus. <laughs> that's so cool. But seeing this man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. The There's nothing they can say. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, Peter and John, just leave the room for a minute. For a minute, They conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a noble sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. All of the people know it, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may not spread any further among people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. This is, we're finishing up here. And this is now takes a whole turn. The layman was certainly changed and energized by Christ. And I, was, I looked for you the last. Can you get up, Pastor Rob, and do that lame dance? That didn't sound good. Can we, can, can, you're not going to do it, huh? You're not going to do it. If you were here last week, he did a, he did a dance up here of what the layman would have done just after he got healed. It's not a lame dance. It's a dance of the lame. (laughs) Somebody warned you, and I think it was Jared. By the way, the greatest proof of a repentant heart is the transformation that takes place after one has received Christ Jesus. That's the biggest claim of salvation. Don Will, when I was a little boy, I was saved at 13. I started praying along with my pastor in the church for a man named Don Will 20 years 20 years praying for this man. One morning, Sunday morning, my, pa- my dear pastor, Hay, came down and he gave an invitation for Sunday, which he did every Sunday. And I'm from the back, comes down Don Will. Remember those days? Don Will came down and he cried in the arms of this big pastor. And he got saved right then. And Don Will ended up being a deacon in our church and an and a incredible witness for the Lord Jesus. Can you claim that? Maybe not so much dramatic, so dramatic, dramatic in your salvation, but can you claim that you're a changed individual? Penny and I remember sweetly and dearly a gal named Aggie who was a prostitute on the Cape town harbor in the cape town harbor there at the at the docks white gal living in south Africa in cape town at the time was about 28 and uh, her sister Cher brought her to the church and after the service aggie got saved and aggie turned into a real witness never went back to the docks again he was a new creation and then just recently, Penny and I visited a gal 
named Mia. She had three three kids and an unsaved uh, husband and not nice to her. But we shared the gospel in her home and right there on her on her couch, she gave her heart to Christ. And we said, Mia, I pulled out a milk booklet, which is a disciples, but do you mind if we come back next week, Penny and I, and we'll bring donuts, but we'll, we'll, we'll share with you the milk book and we'll start this up. She said, sure. Before we started the lesson the next week with the milk book, she said, John and Penny, can, we, can I speak for a second? And she said, I now, when I read the Bible, can understand what it says and what it means. That's fantastic. Before you're saved, you can't. It's, it's impossible because the Spirit of God is not dwelling within you and interpreting the, the Scriptures for you. <laughs> A changed life. And she said, my husband knows that something happened because I'm changed. That, that's, the work of, that's the work of salvation. While education and Bible degrees can assist with your walk and talk about the Savior, the power of the gospel presentation is energized by Christ presence. You don't have to have a PhD in Bible theology or witnessing. Just open your mouth and share what Christ did with you when you were saved. Let your lips say it and your life walk it. And people will come. Some will even come to you and ask about why are you so different. How many times after witnessing to someone or teaching or preaching you Have you said to yourself, wow, where in the world did those words come from? Yeah, that's the, that's the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Please believe it. Don't, don't push it off. Believe it. You can do it. You can do it for sure. Have you witnessed a change in your life or someone else's life since meeting Jesus? If you haven't, you might need a spiritual examination. And lastly, final, people love it when I say that word. doesn't mean much. Final or, or at the end. doesn't mean a thing. Jared's back there going like this. <laughs> 18 through 20, we finish up. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach in all of the name of Jesus. Put yourself in their shoes, in their sandals. Would you write then, Peter and John? But Peter and John answered them. Hey, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must be the judge. We're not going to do that, Peter says. For we cannot but speak what we have seen and heard. Boy, that really, that really says it all. The council recognized, uh, fifth point, a thriving church proclaims Jesus persistently and truthfully. That's a verb. We, we, uh, it's an adverb. We proclaim Jesus persistently and truthfully. The council recognized the courage and boldness of Peter and John who were persistent with the truth. Are we? Okay, is that slide? Can we do that slide now? Okay. Give you a chance to read it, but... Albert Camus was an, was an Algerian-born French philosopher, author dramatist and journalist. He was the recipient of the 1957 Nobel Prize in literature at the age of only 44, the second youngest recipient in history. And he said this, very unsaved man, very unsaved. There's no power in the blood of Christ. 
He said, though, what the world expects of Christians is that Christians should speak out loud and clear in such a way that never a doubt, never the slightest doubt could arise in the heart of the simplest man. On say May, he said, hey, Christians, if you got, if you got a, a word, say it. Tell them, tell them about Jesus. He didn't believe in it, but if you've got something to say, say it. And why can't we? Everybody else says they're a bid. Why are we so silent? Too many, too many times, too many times, the church is known as the silent minority. The church is a mighty work of Christ, and it is not a secret, nor is it to be silenced. After 47 years of ministry, both in Africa and in the States, I can attest to the fact that we need courage and persistency, persistency of, of, the, of like Peter and John as they spoke to the Sanhedrin that day. Listen to what happens in the name of Jesus from Acts 1 through 6, chapters 1 through chapter 6. In Acts 1, 120 men and women were praying. Day, after, day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved. During Peter's sermon, 5,000 men were saved and probably some women. In Acts 5.14, Luke writes that more, that more were saved. In Acts 16.6.7, uh, even some of the Old Testament temple priests were saved. It had nothing to do with them. It had everything to do with the name of Jesus. Take away for believers today to be a thriving 21st century church. We need to be intentional and proactive about our witness for Christ, believing that the power for that activity is in the name of Jesus. You folks that do not know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, here's what you need to take away. Jesus died for your sin, whether you believe you're a sinner or not. He died for your sin, and it was the blood of Jesus that can wash away your sin penalty. So stop rejecting him, pushing him away. He's trying to crawl into your heart and save you and make you one of his children. What a blessing, Pastor Josh, allowing me to be here for what a privilege and an honor. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, maybe not physically right now, but on bended knees. Our high, with our hands reaching to the heavens, proclaiming that Jesus, in his name, there is salvation. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing, for all that you are, and all that you will do in the future for us. Save, we pray, the sinner this morning. Bless the believer, realizing what you have done in our lives, that we can be part of your family. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.